Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I have someone who, a new, I can't say a new friend. It's somebody I met a year ago, and we've spent some time together, so I've been able to get to know her better. So I'm very happy to have Shanice on. Shanice, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everyone. My name is Shanice Barona. Happy to be on your podcast. <laughs> so, Shanice, um, tell me, why is it important to cause a scene, and how are you causing a scene? Um, so I think of the quote um, by Zora Neale, her sin um, that says, uh, if you're silent, they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it. Um, as, okay, as that's well. fucking deep. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's important to cause a scene. And um, how am I causing a scene? I mean, many ways that I think primarily just, you know, existing. All right, well, we're going to talk about, well, I want to, there's a specific reason that you're here, but we'll get to that. So tell me why, um, you know what, fuck it, we're just going to go into it. Um, So, yeah, I'm just not even going to beat around the bush, we're just going to go into it. So many of you know that I've had some issues with some of the women's groups in tech, particularly groups that are run by white women, because like most feminist organization or feminism organizations, it's about white feminism. And these organizations are um, focusing on white women's issues in tech. And as many of you know, and if you don't know, I'm going to say it again, white women are not diversity. Um, Although they are uh, underrepresented in tech, um, no, women are underrepresented in tech, White women, very few if they don't have other, um, come from other marginalized groups as in have a disability, um, LGBTQ, um, sexual, all these other things that makes a, a group of people marginalized, particularly in tech. White women don't, most, the majority of white women don't belong to that group. So they are underrepresented, but many, most are not marginalized. And so they cause harm to those marginalized individuals who they, recruit they they have these these this this you know like oh they we're open to everyone we're safe spaces for all but when in actuality i've had far too many people in my dms who are part of these organizations who are who can attest to these are not these are not true stories these organizations are focusing on white women's issues and it's causing harm so um like i said i'm just gonna fucking jump into this and this conversation is about girl development um, I spoke about Girl Develop It, or I tweeted about them, and I also tweeted about women who code. Um, and if anyone wants to come on the show to give me specific as, um, um, examples of how women who code, I have my own, but I'm going to leave that alone. How Women Who Code um, is a problematic organization, because I've been getting DMs from people from there as well. But we're going to focus on girl development. So Shanice, tell us about, this is going to be you telling your story, um, because I just really... I'm going to tell you, you are a godsend. And I haven't said this before because 
these leaders of, of these organizations are causing such harm and really marginalized groups, particularly black women, are, are being sh- shut down, silenced, all these other things. And, and, and I'm just at a place where I'm just tired of it. I'm just so tired of us being harmed and not being able to say anything. So tell us about your relationship with women, um, um, excuse me, with um, Girl Develop It. And, and, and it's, it's your time to tell your story. Sure. So um, I worked at Girl Develop It. Um, I held two positions there over the last year and a couple months. Um, And actually, let me back up. I started as a student. So I discovered Girl Develop It in 2016 um, as a student. Um, I was like kind of learning about tech. I had kind of experimented with coding um, in the past um, in high school with like sites like MySpace and and Tumblr and things like that, um, but didn't know that this was um, like an industry that I like I could work in and a job um, coding. And so I was working um, at a university and discovered World Develop It um, and started taking classes um, that summer. Um, and I mean, you know, I was I was really I remember feeling like grateful and very like excited. Um, a lot of my, up until this point, I would say like maybe that first year, my introduction to tech was very positive and girl development was, was a part of that for some time. Um, and thinking like, Oh, this is, this is great. Um, I remember my first impression being that it was definitely, uh, felt very white. It definitely felt very, um, clicky. Um, And for some background, for folks that might not know Girl Develop It, there's a national team, but there's also um, chapters like locally in um, about like 60 uh, 60 cities across the United States. So I'm talking about my local chapter when I first joined, um, feeling like it was very clicky, feeling like it wasn't necessarily, it it definitely wasn't inclusive and it wasn't diverse, um, but it wasn't necessarily... um, like it wasn't intentionally welcoming. Um, I just was kind of like, well, I need access to these resources. So this is a little uncomfortable, but fuck it. Like I'm here because I like fucking deserve to be. Um, so kind of fast forward through that, um, in 2017, I began working for Girl Develop at Headquarters, a national team, um, very small team. And that experience I would say was completely... I guess maybe it's not completely different because it also felt um, kind of like that fake, um, like happiness, that like fake, like, oh yeah, like we're welcoming, like we, you know, we love women, we empower women. Um, But my experience there um, was very opposite of that. I didn't feel empowered. I didn't feel um, respected or valued. I didn't feel... um, like I mattered, um, definitely felt like a token. Um, and it was, it was very disappointing. Okay. So, um, I want to stop here and say, um, I'm, you guys can't see this, but, um, Shanice and I can see her and there's some discomfort in, in her. I want to say that in having this conversation, but she's going on her side, her comfort zone to have this conversation because it's very important. Um, and I want to bring up two things. Um, when you said you were in your local group and it wasn't inclusive, but you're like, fuck it, I deserve to be here, and da-da-da. Then you go to the national, and there's this fake whatever, it's the, this, the, the, the writing on the wall, the motto is how inclusive we are, but it's not. And this is why I say in my talks, this is so why I say all the time, you do not get to define what inclusion is for me. 
organizations really need to understand this. You do not get to say what's inclusive for the individual, particularly somebody from a marginalized community who's always been excluded. You need to go above and beyond. And you're saying you're inclusive means shit, absolutely nothing. Particularly if I'm articulating to you that I do not feel included, that I do not feel welcome, that nothing you're doing makes the changes the fact that I'm not feeling included. And you can say, oh, you can make that a one-off you can say, oh, that person's just being sensitive. You can say all these things. You can justify it or treat it any way you want to. But the bottom line is, if I, Kim Creighton, says that your events or your community or your organization is not inclusive feeling for me, that's what the fuck it is. And if it's important to you that I, that I am included, then you need to change something. It's not the status quo. You cannot continue moving the way you're doing if you want me and people like me to feel to feel included. And I want to bring to the point the whole, but fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what marginalized individuals do. We are so used to being treated at the margins. That's why we're marginalized and and being discounted and disrespected. But we already know that's going to happen. So that's the status quo for us. So we have learned to say, fuck you, I'm still going to get what I need because this is the norm. So I'm not going to let this shitty environment, this shitty experience stop me from moving forward or getting whatever, whatever I intended to get from this group. But let me say this, it is not beneficial for everyone, for anyone, because women of color, particularly black women, are under so much stress because we're constantly put in these kind of situations where we have to excel in spite of the bullshit. We're expected to, 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 you know, like vote like black women. We're expected to be the moral compass of this fucking country while every obstacle is put in our way, but yet we're expected to, to it's like uh, doing hurdles. We're expected to jump over these hurdles time and time again, even though the hurdles get, keep getting closer together, they keep getting higher, and let us stumble one time, then it's our fault. We, no one ever looks at the fucking hurdles that are being put in our place. So this is why I wanted to stop and, and, and t- articulate this, because some of you are going to say, oh, Shanice is is being catty. She's just, no, 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 no. And this is why I want to have this conversation because what Shanice is speaking to, thousands of women every day are having this experience. Shanice is just brave enough to have, to tell us, share her story. So, um, so I need you without, as comfortable as you feel, I need you to give me specific examples of how you felt, how your voice, you, you, you speak to this and you're being ignored. You speak to this and it's being disrespected. You speak to this and it's, it's your issue, not theirs. Because what I, hope, what I want is for these organizational leaders to hear this and understand it is in their power. It is their responsibility to make, cho- to make the change. Because I'm going to tell you what I've been telling people who keep sliding into my DMs with these issues. I've been saying if these organizational leaders of these female white-run organizations aren't willing to change or aren't willing to change out leadership, then let the fucking organization burn to the ground. And that is where I am right now. And so this is why I, don't, I have no fucks to give because you're causing harm. So can you tell us as comfortable as you feel 
just to tell us some, excuse me, some specifics on what this feels like. Because everybody wants to act like they don't know what you're fucking talking about. Like we're all black women and we're crazy as shit. So give us some examples of, of what this means, what this looks like. Yeah, definitely. Um, people definitely don't like to act like that. But what they don't realize is that as black women, we, we just have fucking receipts um, because a lot of times our life and our livelihoods depend on them. So um, yeah, so a, a big thing um, while I was there was that there was a coworker um, that would say like racially offensive things. Um, she, the way she spoke to me was completely inappropriate, very different from how she engaged with other members on the team. I pointed this out many times. Um, okay, I'm going to stop you. I need specifics. Tell me specifically how she would engage you without giving the person's name. How would your interaction with her or her, would her interaction with you be different from her white counterpart? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, one thing that uh, comes to mind was there was a white chapter leader that was given a, giving a presentation um, that was largely problematic. Um, it presented gender as a binary. Um, it was very like white feminism oriented, uh, things like that. And I point, I was the first one to point out that um, this presentation was a problem. Um, not only was this woman going to represent the organization and, and state a lot of these things that were not like they were just inaccurate um, and problematic. Um, so this specific person um, was kind of in charge of, of leading that group of leaders. And I had pointed it out uh, to the team um, and she, she did not like that. And I say that she did not like that because she proceeded to the way she spoke to me via our private Slack conversations um, was degrading. Um, she said that I was having a negative, um, or she was. She said I was having a strong negative reaction, um, which I feel like is, you know, saying that to to a black woman and kind of painting me as an angry black woman. It's um, gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and mm-hmm. that narrative kind of carried on, in which I would speak out on something, and it it had to become about like how I was feeling, how I like what my emotions were instead of like what the actual thing I was pointing out. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop you because this, uh, this is, this is I, I need to draw these parallels. So mm-hmm. what Shanice is saying, she has, she brings up valid criticism. Fuck it. Even if it's not valid criticism, she, cr- she brings up feedback critiques or whatever, or something's going on. And instead of it being left to a professional feedback, it now becomes about our feelings. It now becomes about Shanice is uh, is taking this personally it, it, it become it it leaves the realm of professional professional feedback to this is um unmanaged emotional something or another okay exactly um so that pr- that conversation quickly became unproductive because i was pushing back on her and saying how exactly am i having a negative strong uh, strong negative reaction and also to your point like I can have whatever fucking reaction I fucking want, you know, like if this is an internal team conversation um, and, you know, we're, you know, granted whatever professionalism and respect, et cetera. But I, nothing I said was disparaging. Nothing I said was disrespectful to this presentation or to this woman. It was kind of like, here's the problem. How are we fixing the problem? Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, So how that situation was handled kind of, uh, compounded uh, the, the the issues with with this woman. Um, I was told that I just didn't know her that well. That we needed to be friends and maybe go out for drinks or coffee. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I then challenged because I'm like, why should I then spend more money 
Um, keep in mind, I was in, I was the lowest, um, as far as like um, authority level, um, mm-hmm. I just was the lowest at the organization. Therefore, I'm getting paid the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should spend my money. Um, you know, we talk about black women's equal pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably not even getting paid what I, what I fucking deserve anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should, I should spend more money um, to then meet this racist person um, and make an effort not only to be her friend but, and, and to educate her. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you got the emotional labor and everything falls on your response. And I'm, I'm, the reason I'm teasing this out because it's not just these organizations. I see it all the time and it becomes the person who has been victimized, who has marginalized responsibility to now educate. And that's why you see so many black people doing assigned to doing um, diversity and inclusion work and all this other bullshit when white people need to educate themselves. Now, you don't need to be leading this shit. But we don't have, we traditionally don't have the power to make any changes. We don't. So what should have happened was this is not, check the white chick because this has absolutely nothing to do with my emotions. And don't dictate to me who the fuck my friends should be. And if you wanted us to meet, then as the organization, you should have, uh, you should have set that up. Right. Right. Facilitate a fucking meeting instead yes. of making us like, resolve things outside of work on our own time. On because it was a work issue. This was now you're putting it back on me. This was never about you and your emotions. This was a work concern. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and uh, again, I said this, this theme kind of keeps popping up with another um, uh, person in the organization. Um, so there was a situation in which, um, again, with a, with a local chapter, something happened. Um, there was um, I think it was two white chapter leaders or maybe three. Um, they were, they were being degrading to a black chapter leader. Um, I became aware of the situation from Twitter because two people in that community, in that local community, um, started tweeting about it. Okay. This and, is, and I'm sure this is the one I got in on too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so they start tweeting about it. And so for more context, um, the Girl Development team, we, we all work remotely, but a lot of us are based in Philadelphia. So this this particular day, we were co-working together in person. Um, so I arrive at the co-working space, and I remember saying to the executive director, like, look, like I, I literally just woke up this morning and I saw this on my timeline. Mm-hmm. And it was already like timestamped for two days ago, like the, the fucking Twitter algorithm is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so like I was already tardy to the party. So I'm just like, oh, like what's going on? And I mm-hmm. looked at the responses and I saw that, you know, the, the executive director had responded. So I'm thinking like, okay, so there's, there's been action taken here. So I'm assuming there's been conversations internally. And so like, I'm, I'm at this point asking clarifying questions to try to get information. I was not even looked in the eyes. Um, I definitely noticed that her behavior, like became a little strange. Like her, her body, I was reading her body language. She was not, again, not looking me in the eyes, um, seemed very flustered. Um, and I, and I was just asking like, what is going on? I saw this on Twitter. Like what's the organization's response? Like, what are we doing? I saw that you responded, blah, blah, blah. Um, another coworker came in and the, the ED didn't really respond to me. Instead, I got a private Slack DM in which I was told to step outside. So we step outside and the first thing that this person says to me is, you seem upset. And Kim, I was not fucking upset. Mm-hmm. I was fucking asking a question. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. that was over and over and over. It's mm-hmm. pointing things. And in, in this instance, it wasn't even new information that I was pointing out to them. It was just like, hey, I saw this. 
I'm on this team. I did, I'm here collecting knowledge, like trying to figure out what, like what even is going on and what are the next steps here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be treated off the bat again, like an angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then or, being, or, or emotional. You, we can't manage our emotions. Everything we do and right. say comes from emotion. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they're so even keeled. They're just so, everything is just like, but we're just emotional. We just walk in, our face, everything about us is just emotional. Absolutely. Like if you're not bubbly and like pouring over with like the fake cheeriness, then, then you're, you're emotional and you're having a strong negative reaction. Um, and it's a problem. And I, I was serious. Like I, I wasn't, I mean, the situation's upsetting, you know, I shouldn't have to, I like it upset people, a lot of people. So you haven't, so again, it goes back to, okay, so what if I'm having, if I'm, I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm having an, um, an emotional reaction to it, it does not negate the fact that I'm asking you a question as a leader, what are we doing next? Exactly. Those are two different things. Those are two fucking different things. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, it, it speaks to why I say um, civility is optional for white people and it's expected behavior of marginalized groups because it allows, uh, it, it allows us to manage our own behavior because when we're taking turns and we're managing our voices, and people, and I'm, I want you to get back in your story, but I really want to stop here and say, do you, I don't think white people really know the fucking mental gymnastics what black women go through on a daily basis just to be effective in a professional situation. No, they've we, <laughs> we are, we, we, we have, okay, something happens. We have to think about not only what to say and when to say it or how to say it in that moment, but will that, okay, what if it escalates and it goes to HR, that thing? What, how will this affect me 10 years from now on my career path? How will this affect? I mean, it is, we are doing so many calculations in our heads just to, when people say, oh, you, um, let's, we, we're inclusive. You're at the table. Your voice matters. No, the fuck it doesn't. If I have to do all of that to feel safe, when you, you can just say whatever that comes out. Your, and we saw it with the Kavanaugh hearing. That man said whatever the fuck he wanted to say and felt had, had dealt with absolutely no repercussions for his behavior. That is how whiteness is all the damn time to us. We have to be, because even with, um, um, I can't even think of her name right now, the, the woman who accused him, she was very measured, very, um, very stoic, but so was Anita Hill the years before, and it was a totally different thing. So everybody felt empathy for her, you know, it's, oh my God, but, every, but when Anita Hill spoke, it's the angry black woman. Yep. And, you know, the irony in this is this is the same woman who had a temper tantrum at uh, a women's conference that we went to that Michelle Obama was speaking at. Um, And she got into an argument with Black women and was trying to have Black women stand up out of their seat to give her a seat. Wow. But but I'm emotional, right? But we're emotional. Yeah. Literally saw someone that is supposed to exhibit leadership, supposed to be running this organization, and supposed to be fucking empowering women but she had a fucking tamper, t- temper tantrum in front of our whole team. And no one called her on it? No one? Yeah. I mean, kind of. Um, but that person quickly was, shortly after, was not working for the organization anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no apologies were made to any, like, it was just, like, so, so fucking much uh, mm-hmm. to be a, a, a Black woman 
um, sitting four rows away about to see Michelle Obama speak and see someone that is supposed to be a leader, someone that says that they're an ally, someone that says that they're a champion for women and, and just people having access. Um, literally throwing a temper tantrum because she felt like she deserved to, to see Michelle Obama speak. Not that there weren't any other seats, though. Like, don't get me wrong. There were fucking other seats. You yeah. just thought you deserved to be four rows yeah. from Michelle Obama and that these Black women, and I want to highlight that there were Black women sitting there, that yeah. these Black women had to get up and give her her seat. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and this is, mm, this speaks so much to why I distrust whiteness by default. Um, because and why I rail against when you say you're it's for two things that I, my immediately make me not trust you. And if you use them in, in in conjunction with each other, I'm just like fuck you at all. Feminism and I lie. Um, if you're a feminist and you're white, don't trust you. Um, if you call yourself an ally, don't trust you. And if you say those two things together, I am you are a shit show to me until you can prove that. Because ally is about how I feel you're, you're um, acting on my behalf. It's, you don't get to self-assign. And feminism, historically, and, and I drop these articles all the time, has been about white feminism. It has always been about white feminism. And it's always been about white feminism. Although they want to they fight the patriarchy, they don't want to give up any privilege whatsoever. Um, they, they, they might get upset because they're tr- being treated like little girls but they do not want the experience of, of, of black women. And a lot of, femini- ugh, a lot of feminism is, is anti-blackness anyway. Um, and so when you tell me that, it just makes me just, and I've heard so many people, like when I mention how that I'm getting these DMs and they're like, oh, but it must be at the chapter level because this individual, the ED, is not this kind of person. And I'm thinking, no, that's not what I heard. I mean, I'm hearing... It's all through the organization and definitely at the executive level. Um, and this is, this is the problem. Everybody wants to make, ex- oh, this is it. Everybody wants to fucking make excuses for shitty behavior. But again, black women jumping hurdles, stumble. We are, it's, uh, we're the shit show. We're the problem. We're, you know, you're being emotional. You're being aggressive. I'm feeling, um, def- I'm, uh, you're being defensive. You're, I'm feeling attacked. All these things that become, that quickly escalate from us being emotional now being, uh, being some kind of, of physical harm to people. But yet you can cry, you can wail, you can scream, you can do all these other things. Like just what happened to me recently. You know, and she wasn't even a white woman, but a woman of color um, who lives in the United States as uh, de facto white, because that's how they're treated, um, attacks me. And then there are white men who come and attack me without the full fucking story, without, it's like we can never catch a fucking break. And until organizations, organizational leaders, community leaders, event organizers get that you are, your behavior, your mere behavior, is racist. And this is why I don't have these fucking conversations. You're racist. I'm not going to debate this. It's just where on the spectrum of, spectrum of racism are you, are you on? Are you anti, actively working to be anti-racist or are you swinging the pendulum towards white supremacy? That's the only thing I want to have a conversation about because your behavior consistently shows that this is who you are. Consistently. It's not a one-off. This is fucking consistent. 
And then we, I look at the article that Ruby, um, and I can't think of her last name right now. Let me pull this up. Um, about white women's tears, um, um, wrote, and it is, it, it so speaks to, um, it so speaks to Ruby Hamand, um, speaks to how it's not just here. She's in Australia and she did not under, she was so blown away. So, so she, she has been getting attacked by white people in Australia and, and was like regretting even, um, doing the article until um, black women in the United States start saying, oh my God, this is our story. And that's when she realized that shit, this is not isolated. This is something that's happening everywhere to people, women of color. And I want to make sure I bring up the exact title of this um, article, but you can keep talking because I just want to make sure I bring up the title of this article. Yeah, I thought about, um, as you were saying, like allies, how, you know, we feel, we as marginalized people feel about that person's actions. Um, this is also someone that, um, so I live in West Philadelphia. And for those that don't know, Philadelphia is pretty segregated. Um, this is also someone that would DM me articles of, of shootings in the neighborhoods, the neighborhood that I lived in, um, asking me when I would move. That's a fucking microaggression. <laughs> like, you not only do you control how much I'm getting paid, um, but you live in the most expensive neighborhood in this city. Um, you seem to have no fucking concept, or maybe you do, and, and you just don't give a shit. Um, but that's not allyship at all. Mm-hmm. Is to then flaunt or you know like kind of tout in my face like how quote unquote dangerous this place is that I live um, because that's where I can afford to live right now um, is. And, and ask me when the fuck I'm moving. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I'm going to, and, and so I want to throw out that the title of the article is How White Women Use Strategic Tears to Silence Women of Color. I wanted to make sure I got that um, perfect got the title right and it's from the guardian um and i want to talk about that because because people might say well what what does she mean that that's a microaggression well let me explain what that means shanice just said that there's somebody who controls her pay who actually actually knows how much you get paid who knows how much it costs to live in philly um and okay on one level someone could say oh well, she's just being concerned because that's how she that that'll that's how it go go. But because but there's a bigger story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a, <laughs> that's a bigger there's a bigger thing there because you can turn it, your concerns into action through my money, through my pay. <laughs> exactly. So if you you're really tweeting about Black Women's Equal Pay Day, so what yes. are you talking about? Yes, that's where I was trying to get to this because on the because I, I I understand that a lot of white people who listen, majority of white people who listen, don't understand these things. So I try to break them down. So this that's why that's a microaggression, and to do it more than once 
to do it. Like, if you're so concerned about my safety, then as an organization, we need to say, damn, Shanice is living in a place that's unsafe and I'm concerned about that. Um, what can we do to help facilitate a move or something? You know, it's, it, that becomes a conversation. It's not a, it's not a, um, somebody who's like, I do this to my friends all the time. I moved back to Atlanta from Chicago. And when we're, when they're having a fucking snowstorm, I would always drop. Oh damn. It's, it's 50 degrees in Atlanta. That's what that is. <laughs> That's what that is. Absolutely. And the thing is, it doesn't even need to be an individual thing. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily expecting like, Oh, okay. This is Shanice's situation. Like, let's find out how we can cater to her. That, that would be fucking great. But like, the chances of it happening. Very exactly. Easy. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, you, you live in this city too, right? Like if you're for Philadelphia, you gotta be, you gotta be about Philadelphia. And internally we're having conversations. How can we reach underrepresented communities? Blah, 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 blah. You know, is that, what does that look like? Going into libraries, going to, going into community centers, going into, to like lower income neighborhoods. Well, that's fucking West Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 So, you're, you're, you're saying this, you're touting this around, you know, maybe to sponsors or in partnerships and conversations like, you know, 2018 goals, reaching underrepresented communities. But here, here you are antagonizing someone that is a part of that community, lives in that community. And I, I like, I, I mean, obviously no one enjoys fucking, like, I'm not going to say I enjoy like living in crime, but like, or living where there's crime, but there's crime everywhere. And I actually enjoy West Philadelphia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, how, like talking about like, how can you then like maybe provide more resources to them? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I attend the, like the library in West, Phil West Philadelphia all the fucking time. And it's a great fucking center and it's a great fucking resource. Mm -hmm. Do you think any of those people have stepped foot in the, in these community mm -hmm, centers? Exactly. And, these they think uh, and it's so, uh, and Exactly. So white savior bullshit. Yes. Yes. So it's like you're you're throwing this, this these grenades over the fence, but you're standing behind it. Like, oh, where you live sucks. Oh, but 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 oh my oh. god, and this is and I've been talking about this a lot lately. It is like you use the black experience or the experience of marginalized people when it's convenient for you. It's like when you can when you can can benefit from it, it is all about just like all these people who want to get fucking DNA tests. So they can see if they have, um, in, um, if they're part um, um, Native Americans, they have some, um, they're indigenous. So they can get, it's like, what the fuck? You didn't, it's, it's all for the benefit. Whiteness will do that shit when it benefits them. And so you're making, so my point was just the fact of, if this concerns you, you did, then you need to be making sure, ensuring that the organization is providing salaries that are livable wage so I can, I can move to a safer neighborhood if that's what your concern is. But you speak to an even be, a more specific point of if you're concerned about these communities, not just the fucking safety of it, because that, that, that is so white. There's so much else going on in these communities. Yeah, that culture. People, that, people fucking steal shit in Old City too. So yes. But but not only that, but there's so much culture and 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 respect and honor and and history and nuance in these communities. Don't boil them down to just being crime places. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you spoke to that about the library. Um, that's a public, pay for entity. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, when you go in our communities, we have some of the best food, we have some of the best, all these other things that you're missing out on because all you can think about is crime. 
And that go that speaks to a lot of, so I had, when I um, did the um, hashtag cause the scene conference in San Francisco, uh, there was a black gentleman who spoke and I rare, um, uh, who's, he was the only black man who spoke on um, that day. And so afterwards, after everyone speaks, I'd like to do a Q&A, um, uh, inclusion Q&A, which is everybody sits in a circle and we just debrief what, what just took place. And there were a lot of white guys there. He was actually the only black guy there. And I wanted to, to um, so I asked, I was like, so white people, white men specifically, how do you feel when you see a, a black people in public or whatever, or something like that? And someone was brave enough to say, you know, when I um, encounter a, a black man, I've really had to, I've really noticed and been conscious of, I, I change, I, I don't make direct eye contact, I, I change across the street and all this other stuff. And so, you know, he was, and I, I commended him for being honest. So I asked the black gentleman who was sitting there, I was like, tell us how you feel. And so he gave the socially, politically correct answer. And I was like, no, I don't, that's not what I want. I've created a safe space here. This is not what I want. Tell them how that makes you feel. And immediately tears just come out of his eyes. He is like bawling because, and then he explains how that makes him feel. Every other white person in that room needed to see that because they needed to see that the harm that their ideals that their ideas of what blackness means, how that affects us on so many different levels. They needed to see a black man who's professional, who just gave a talk, who is kicking ass in tech, tell you what this feels like. Hmm. What, it's, what it comes down to is, and this is where a lot of white people, I have so many white followers and why they are now tuning in and willing to get uncomfortable, comfortable with being uncomfortable because they're recognizing how complicit they've been in harming people that they care about. And when I see organizations like Girl Develop It, who, again, I never would have known this had not the the Twitter thing happened. Um, But black women were so frustrated and so upset that they had to have this conversation all out in the open um, that even seeing that, nothing changed. That right. is where, this is where I say, fuck it, let it burn the fuck down. Because even if you see that, and I'm going to tell you, um, two or three of, your, um, of the executives started following me after that because I made a comment about that. So that's when that's I got, got those followers. And I, and I, and I noticed it. Because they weren't following me before. To create like a faux sense of we're listening. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. listening. Yeah, so, and this is where I'm, 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 I'm taking a pause because I am getting angry. I'm really getting angry in this conversation. I'm trying to manage that and have this and, 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 and facilitate this conversation with Shanice because it is, it, is, it is no longer acceptable. This behavior is fucking no longer acceptable. You can't say you don't know it. So at this point, just like when I say... After you know something, now you're making a conscious decision that it doesn't fucking mean anything to you. And that's where the harm comes. Because black women, women of marginalized communities will continue to come to your organizations because no one's saying anything. This is another reason I got to figure out a way to have a list, a public list of all these assholes who go to conferences and cause problems and, and no one knows about it because they continue to go to conferences because people are whispering in these back channels, oh, you shouldn't invite him or her to this thing because they're going to do this thing. But the public doesn't know about it because we're trying to save their fucking reputations, but they continue to cause harm to people. And this shit has to stop. Yep. 
yeah. So like my thing was, I, I was vocal. Like I was giving suggestions, not only on these issues, but like even organizational things. And a lot of times my ideas were laughed at, they were passed over. Then when you're not suggesting things, that's when they want to complain about a lack of like, oh, you're not as vocal anymore in meetings and blah, blah, blah. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Mm-hmm. This is not an ex. This shouldn't be an expectation. I'm going above and beyond mm-hmm. to try to educate you. Also, this this like um, assumption that marginalized people are just experts. I'm an expert in my experience and what the fuck I'm feeling. Yes. Um, but I also don't have this figured out. So it doesn't give room for learning. It doesn't give room for mistakes. It doesn't give room for let's all just fucking try to figure this out. Together. And, <laughs> together and listen to the most marginalized voices. You know, yes. I suggested something. Um, and so even when suggestions go through, they're, they're so warped into this other thing that you didn't necessarily intend. Um, so because Zach, it's now, because it leaves you and it gets filtered through white feminism. Exactly. So Zapier uh, does this thing. Um, it's, it's like a diversity and inclusion change log. They're trying to be, you know, more transparent in the changes in which they're making and their hiring practices, things like that. So I came across that, you know, just dropped it to our team, like, hey, because, um, you know, a big thing that, that has been um, a barrier is the lack of transparency um, on my team. And I feel like in, in the entire organization, there's no transparency. Um, Stop right and, there. Explain to me what do you mean? What's, what, what, where would you like to see areas of transparency? So <laughs> there's just so many levels to it. Um, the way the, commu- the team overall communication is it's it defaults to passive aggressiveness which i would say is very aligned with white feminism mm-hmm. um like people like to think their their communication is direct but they're just being passive aggressive mm-hmm. i've specifically called that out um to my manager and said i do, i don't ascribe to that form of communication um i prefer direct communication i prefer direct feedback critique whatever it is that's fine with me. Um, but I feel like communicating with each other passive aggressively is disrespectful mm-hmm. and I'm not going for it. And I don't mm-hmm. communicate with people like that. And I do, I do my best to not communicate with people like that. Um, but that's, that's the default mode of, of communication. Um, again, with this, with these situations that kind of pop up at a chapter level. Um, and I, I really think this is my theory of, of that specific situation that I mentioned on Twitter that went on public on Twitter. One. Um, it, it kind of created like a lot of internal like chaos um, because it was something that went public, right? If I'm being silenced, I'm being, you know, microaggressed, whatever. No one, no one is knowing that other than my like small network exactly. of, of friends and family and stuff that have, to, and my therapist mm-hmm. um, that have to hear me um, talk about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really in a position where I can be as candid and as public with it on Twitter. Um, than as someone who doesn't work for the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, I truly feel like it wasn't until something went public that they, they, I I don't even want to say that they gave a shit about it because I'm, I'm, I question that. Um, but that they, it definitely caused a flurry of like, like scrambling, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because it's all about appearances. Yes. Um, And that's why I like calling shit out. That's why we have to, because until these organizations are, publicly shamed fuck it i'm just publicly shamed they do nothing they default back to oh it's it's a minor issue it's just you it's just this pocket and organizations are systems and this is what i keep telling people like we need to stop thinking in silos and start dealing with fucking systems if a part of the system on uh, in philly is fucked up 
the rest of the system is going to eventually have to deal with it. Right. So, you know, just that experience of asking questions, um, not getting answers, not getting clear answers, not, not being clear on what the organization is doing. So at this point, I feel like, you know, working for this organization was like eroding my more, my moral fiber. Oh, um, I'm a black woman before I'm an employee of any, yeah. of any, of any yeah. organization. Yeah. So yeah, I'm asking questions as an employee and needing to know what's going on. But also like I was living that experience that these, that these women, um, this chapter in Minnesota, we're, we're, we're experiencing with these white chapter leaders, their, mm-hmm. their local leadership. I was living that on this very same team. So not only was I invested and concerned about that, but I was like, you haven't handled my shit. So yeah. like, yeah. I just even want to know what, like, you tell me what you yeah. think. Because you, you, you can't handle it here. So how are you going to handle it there? Right. That part. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, accountability and holding yeah. them accountable. Yeah. To hold someone accountable, they would have to even be responsible for their. Yes. Yes. There's no. There's no acknowledge that acknowledge that there's a problem, and that is the problem with white feminism. They never it never acknowledges that there's a problem with it. There's no owning of actions. There's no owning of mistakes unless it really comes to a head and and you know shit hits the fan. And by that time, we're so traumatized. We've had so much. Yep pain and and by the time it really hits the for a black woman a professional black woman to publicly say something to get to that point there's so much trauma that's sitting behind that because we've calculated all the things that is going to happen to our careers and we've said you know what at this point it just doesn't fucking matter right because (laughs) at the end of the day um like yeah i suffered and i'm suffering um, but I'm thinking of all the other people yes. that think that my presence in this community, in this space, in this is a stamp. Is a stamp on this is also safe for you. Yes, exactly. That is my oh, thank you. And I will not, it will not like I had to tell one conference organizer to stop fucking using my name because people will see that as an endorsement for you from me. And I do not endorse your event at all. <laughs> like I will never ever like intentionally or willingly support suffering of marginalized people yes Um, so that that quickly became a problem um so that was again back to the to the twitter um situation as a team we i felt like we weren't even allowed to talk about it like Mm. we then had to go to our internal conference for our chapter leaders um and this is a month later still have not dissected it as a team still and i i'm asking questions what can we say about this what's going on what are the next steps i don't actually know what what decisions were fucking being made um there was a presentation a talk that i was giving at this conference and that talk was heavily policed i feel like they were absolutely concerned about what the fuck shanice was going to say my talk was policed so heavily that the co-founder of the organization was editing my slides down to the speaker notes what Yes, down to the motherfucking speaker notes. Taking out the term emotional labor. Mm, I don't like that. I think it should be cultivating empathy. What? Um, that's not cultivating. Emotional labor is emotional labor. That means you're not the same thing. Because yeah. that's why they're different words. Yes. Different things. Words mean things. Yes. That talk was so heavily policed um, that at one point it had to come to a head. I said, y'all could just have an hour break then. I'm, I'm just not giving this talk. And it was a talk that was going to um, be given in conjunct- conjunction with another coworker. We'd spent a lot of time on it. And, and it, it, still, it still didn't name the thing. You know, I'm all for naming, naming the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. I wanted, as an organization, 
for them, especially the white leadership to say, we fucked up, yes. we own that, yes. and we're not going to, here's how we're going to avoid that happening. Yeah. Here's how we're going to strive to make this an inclusive organization, because it's not. They, they just changed their mission this year, and you could probably go to the website and note this difference, but that is the only place in which this difference is noted in that the mission was, you know, serving women, and now it says women and non-binary adults. The, the only change in that was the wording. It mm-hmm. feels so inauthentic to slap on non-binary adults mm-hmm. and not any effort in one, educating um, the rest of the organization as far as like these local chapters and their leadership, um, you know, any sort of rollout on like, here's how we're changing our, our language. And this is intentional because this matters to us because. Exactly. And this is how we move forward. This is how we communicate it to the world. This is what it means. Da, 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 da. If you can't, if you can't stand strong in that, like yeah. you're, you're saying like, we want to be welcoming. Like, we don't want this to just be for cis white women. Yes. You know, we want trans women to feel included. We want everyone to feel included. Mm-hmm. Because Girl Development is for everyone. They, you know, they just focus on, on women. Um, that, that's, that feels inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. And I've said that numerous times, you know, like when the new mission was rolled out, it's like, oh, okay, are we supposed to start using this wording? But like at, at local levels or in conferences, people are saying women, women, women over and over and over. That is erasure of these yeah. of, of people yeah. that are you're telling them you're included here. We we want to see you come to our classes, but every time we speak to a, an entire group, we're just going to default to women yeah. instead of saying people because it's not that fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, this has been an enlightening conversation, and I'm sure we could go on. Um, I don't even know if there's an endpoint to this, but there is an endpoint. So. What would you like to, what would you like to, your final words on this episode to be? Um, I don't know. I think right now, just like, like what I'm thinking about and what I'm feeling again, is like the same quote I said earlier. Like if you are silent, they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it. So fuck being silent, cause a fucking scene, go the fuck off and it all needs to burn down. And on that note, I'm going to leave you with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this because I know you were, um, it took a lot um, for you to share this um, because other people have, like, as I said, they've come to my DMs, but they won't tell the story. So I commend you for being brave enough um, and being allowing your discomfort to be so you can tell this story because these stories need to be told because these organizations need to fix it a, a, a go away because there are more inclusive teams out there ready to take up this space. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.